welcome back to my podcast. Today I have with me Rob. Rob, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today. No doubt, man. I feel like <laughs> honestly, this is something that like I feel like when you first started this, yeah. we both talked about it, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, dude, I'm interested," and yeah. you just never got around to it. So yeah. it feels good, dude. Feels I'm good. I'm happy. Yeah, I it took a lot to figure out. Um, I remember probably my first ten episodes. I was dealing with like echo problems and just sound quality issues. Uh, and I figured it out, ironed it out. And I told Rob this whenever I first saw him, but he's going to be the last person to be uh, recording using like earpho- earphones. Yeah. <laughs> like I got actual mics and I feel bad because I wanted to use them with him. He ran the first one, but um, I'm getting, they, they got delayed. So sometimes you got to suffer to be beautiful. So <laughs> that's why we're here. You're right. Um, well, tell me how, uh, tell me how your semester's been. It's been good so far. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in about 13 hours, which like, it's not a lot on paper, but when you look at it on a schedule and realize the, uh, classwork that kind of goes into it, 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 it's quite a lot. So it's going well. Mm -hmm. Some classes that honestly, I don't even know how to pronounce the names of like reservoir petrophysics, (laughs) but, uh, School-wise, it's going well, kind of mm-hmm. getting on top of it, doing That's public good. speaking this semester, so get the comm credit out of the way. Oh, wait, comm? I thought we had... Do we need a comm? So, you, normally you have to take technical and business writing in mean. engineering school, yeah. but petroleum engineering is one of the few majors where you can take public mm-hmm. speaking yeah. as that comm credit. So gotcha. I figured it'd be easier to talk my way through something than right. write some papers. So <laughs> I feel uh, like it compliments you better too. Like, yeah, I so, don't like writing. <laughs> no, me, I, I hate writing. I would yeah. much rather just write three points down on a sheet of paper mm-hmm. and then give a speech over it yeah. than having to, I mean, heck, right. in between applications <laughs> oh and everything gosh, else, yeah. it's, it, it's, a, it's a struggle, but, yeah. uh, did no. you learn, have you learned anything cool in that class yet? I don't know, like, what they teach you. In- Basic, we're very early on mm-hmm. in what we're doing. Um, in fact, our first speech, I think it's a recorded speech. It's mm-hmm. due in a couple weeks. Yeah. But um, so far, what they've done right now is just kind of, like, gone through and been like, this is how you carry yourself with confidence. This yeah. is what you need to do when you're in front of a stage or how yeah. how you need to say things don't say um and like yeah. a lot stuff mm-hmm. like that so pretty much basic mm-hmm. right now but i'm looking forward to it because yeah. i mean i've been speaking in front of people <laughs> and publicly for a long time yeah. so i'm just kind of interested to see what the official training is yeah. like if that makes sense and you're about to do more of that soon <laughs> yeah we'll get into no that good. we'll get yeah. into that later um but you are your petroleum engineering major yep Correct me if I'm wrong, did you transfer from chemical to petroleum, or was that just like a freshman year, like you wanted to do chemi first? So, the way ETAM works, mm-hmm. entry to a major in the engineering school, At the, I'll just give you kind of the whole backstory yeah. here. Um, came into my first semester, and I was trying to decide in between mm-hmm. chemical engineering and petroleum engineering. Yeah. And after some coursework, taking chemistry, talking to some people in industry, mm-hmm. I decided that chemical engineering was kind of going to be more my speed. I was more yeah. interested in it, whatever. So I went down that path. First semester did pretty well grade-wise. Mm-hmm. Second semester ended up getting a concussion and yeah. bro bowl for uh, the that. flow flag football. It was the last play of the last game. <laughs> Great. And then 
that kind of put me out of commission right there around the last time of midterms mm -hmm. and into finals. Yeah. And so my GPA went from above a 3.5 mm -hmm. to cumulative right around a 2.0-ish. Wow. So that, that was a pretty tough semester. Mm -hmm. So that pushed my entry to a major back because okay. I had failed a couple classes mm -hmm. and just needed to kind of catch up. Yeah. But I was on level still in mm -hmm. chemistry and some other stuff. So... Mm -hmm. I was actually planning on going chemical engineering, yeah. and I was in organic chemistry and Damn. a handful of other classes, and I was doing well in them. Like I, mm -hmm. no concussion, so yeah. everything was <laughs> kind of going swimmingly. But yeah. uh, I was actually sitting in class one day, mm -hmm. and I looked up at it was right before a test, believe yeah. it or not, in organic chemistry. And I had another test later that week, and I want to say Calc three uh -huh. or something like that, and sitting there and I looked up and everybody that was talking about the test that we were fixing to take in that class period yeah. but, and kind of seemed loose were, and I know as crazy as this sounds, uh -huh. pre-med students yeah. and like biology majors. Uh -huh. And then I looked around and the people that were sweating over a <laughs> class that wasn't even the test we were fixing to take yeah. were like the people in the engineering classes and okay. the chemical engineers I was taking. And yeah. I just kind of made the decision that uh, over the next two, three, however many years that I was going to be here, I really didn't want to be in like something that caused that much stress. Exactly. Uh, I have, I mean, I've, I've been involved in a handful of organizations and I, and at the time I was like, I wanted to get involved in more. Mm -hmm. And so just from a time management and what I kind of enjoyed and yeah. like to do, I didn't necessarily want that much stress. Now yeah. I did change to something that mm -hmm. is equally it's, probably yeah, it's as hard, difficult. but in the long run, I kind of feel like my persona, my mm -hmm. the type of person that I am, fits petroleum engineering yeah. more. And so. why why is that? Because I don't really know what petroleum engineers do besides just I just know it's oil and gas related. So uh, essentially, there's reservoir mm -hmm. engineers, there's production engineers, there's operations engineers. There's a bunch of different kind of subcategories of mm -hmm. petroleum engineers, and the side that I'm interested in is operations and production yeah and essentially what that is is it may not be exactly hands-on mm -hmm. but it's pretty much hands-on out in the field mm -hmm. you, now you're gonna have meetings and office time yeah. and stuff like that mm -hmm. but you're also going to be driving from well to well whether mm -hmm. that's pump jacks or somewhere where they're drilling yeah. and you're going to be checking on that well you're going yeah. to be making sure everything runs smoothly solving mm -hmm. any problems that need to be done while you're mm -hmm. out there so it's a lot of face-to-face -face interaction, which happens in other fields of engineering, but yeah. it's kind of with a wider variety of people. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what interests me. But to yeah. answer the question about mm -hmm. what is petroleum engineering mm -hmm. outside of all those subcategories, mm -hmm. a general overview is where is the oil? Mm -hmm. How do we get to the oil and how yeah. do we get it out of the ground? Yeah. And then once we figure all that out, how do we keep that mm -hmm oil coming out at a rate where it's profitable for our company. Yeah. So, and then of course, depending on the financial climate and everything mm -hmm. that go, that's going on in the world, it, you kind of decide then like how and when it's smartest to work on a well or yeah. when it is the drill or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So again, it, it, it's more of a real world natural resources, I guess you could mm -hmm. say engineering versus like a, an electrical engineering or something like that where yeah. it's more like th you are 
putting work mm -hmm. into something to, I, I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. Uh -huh. You're <laughs> instead of making something out of something that's already there that somebody else made, yeah. you're, you're getting it from the ground. You're getting it from the ground. Gotcha. But you actually put it in really good terms. Um, I mean, the, the closest thing I ever got to like petroleum engineering was like this past winter break. We went out, drove past like Midland. Mm -hmm. Obviously you see all those oil oh, yeah. rigs and it's just crazy. Um, because, I've seen a couple of those like on my way sometimes to Austin mm -hmm. or Houston or whatever, but it's like a whole army of them out there. I didn't realize Midland is so rich in like oil and everywhere in West Texas is just flat and bunch of oil rigs around. But that's like the closest I ever got to like understanding what petroleum engineering did. No, and that's what, so I grew up, um, my uncle, mm -hmm. he, he now actually runs land. He's a landman, but mm -hmm. kind of a private contracting landman. So he's yeah. not really employed by mm -hmm. anybody. Yeah. But for um, he used to run. He runs them for wind farms now. That's mm -hmm. where I was going with that. But he used to up until probably eight years ago mm -hmm. was running them all for oil and gas. Yeah. And so anywhere from Oklahoma mm -hmm. to South Texas, Midland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, one summer he was working out in Pecos because yeah. there was a huge boom out in Pecos uh -huh. and he was working out there and was bored. And I mean, it, I don't know if you've driven through Pecos yeah. since you went through uh -huh. Midland. It's no offense to anybody who may be from <laughs> or likes Pecos, but yeah. it's not much of a place yeah. to look at even yeah. compared to Midland Odessa. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I went out there for a week with him and it wasn't really the engineering side of things but yeah. was talking to landowners and talking to like drilling companies and stuff and mm -hmm. the people that he was contracted with at the time that were trying to buy up certain places and get mm -hmm. get stuff going <laughs> and so it was really cool to kind of see mm -hmm. how because that west texas culture with yeah. oil is it's insane yeah. and i mean it's a town can go from having 500 people in it to having 14 14,000 honestly like yeah. if it's a big boom and then the next month there's 500 again yeah so it it's it's crazy just to see like how that dynamic mm -hmm. works out there mm -hmm. and i mean like you said you're yeah. driving there and the, the oil rigs are huge kind of like that one on the tv i know they can't see that <laughs> yeah. but like they're huge out uh -huh. there and then next thing you know it's a christmas tree or yeah. a, or like a <laughs> which is a term but it's like a christmas tree or a pump jack or something mm -hmm. after that yeah. rig's drilled so mm -hmm. It's wild. Yeah. I got to ask, um, what is it like going into, or like you're studying petroleum engineering and you know the market fluctuates a lot. What's yeah. that like? Knowing that you don't know like where it's going to be by the time you graduate. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of projections out there. Like mm -hmm. there is in every industry. Yeah. Um, the projections for petroleum right now are, believe it or not, regardless of like decisions that are made on a political level mm -hmm. or like what the market's going to be like, there's projected to be a lot of people retiring from yeah. petroleum engineering specifically mm -hmm. around the 2022 to 2024 mark, mm -hmm. just based off how long they've been there, the ages yeah. of the average petroleum engineer. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually supposed to be a deficit yeah. for petroleum engineers wow. of like people that are graduating versus people that are retiring. Yeah. So ideally, <laughs> I mean, it'll all be there, but yeah. again, it's, it's definitely something that like on the surface, when you first hear news and stuff, yeah. you, you worry about, mm -hmm. um, then there's reports about like GMs trying to gonna, that they're going to yeah. go all EV electric vehicle yeah. by like 2030 or something yeah. like that. Uh -huh. And it, it, it kind of is a shock factor to begin with, but, Petroleum, 
is a lot more and, and oil. Cars, yeah. It's way more than cars and it is way more than the energy in your house or mm -hmm. whatever it is. I yeah. mean, the computers, socks, shoes. Mm -hmm. I I would bet that 95% at least of everything that you use on a daily basis mm -hmm. outside of your vehicle yeah. is petroleum. Mm -hmm. So, and obviously then if energy and cars mm -hmm. go away, yeah. then <laughs> it's going to the profitability of it will decrease. Yeah. But um, if they essentially decided right now, starting today, mm -hmm. we're not going to use cars mm -hmm. anymore that have gas, or we're not going to make cars anymore that have gas. Yeah. We're not going to do anything that requires gasoline or diesel or mm -hmm. any sort of oil production for energy. Yeah. Um, it would take, just for the production side of things, mm -hmm. the the projections are anywhere from forty to seventy years yeah. of to to stop and cap all wells, mm -hmm. and it takes petroleum engineers to do that. Yeah. So, I know that there will be a decent chance that I do have a job, mm -hmm. and for I a hope long time, me too. Uh -huh. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of putting all my eggs in one basket here, <laughs> yeah. but um, at the same time, I don't really see it being feasible mm -hmm. that we do cancel all oil production. Especially because, like within the next five, 10 years. Right. And yeah. so much of it is, uh, so much of our world relies on it. I mean, mm -hmm. if we cancel all oil production, what are, what are airplanes going to fly off yeah. of? And I mean, like, jet fuel is different mm -hmm. in a certain sense, but a lot of it still needs like natural resources that yeah. is oil and gas, petroleum products that mm -hmm. we yeah. need to pull out of the ground. Mm -hmm. So it's a long ways away. It's definitely important though. Like, mm -hmm clean practices are extremely important. And that's one of the reasons why it's important to hire petroleum engineers to yeah. do those jobs because the people that normally don't make great decisions for the environment and why the industry has gotten so much heat mm -hmm. is the people that aren't like trained in ethical practices. Yeah. So, and you guys are like most familiar with like oil and all of that, that production. So exactly. And who, who better than like, like, I don't know too much about, like, maybe an environmental engineer, like, studies or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the people who are getting the oil out of the ground and working on different ways to accomplish that, you guys are also should be the ones, like, how can we get oil out of the ground and minimize the effect on the environment? Like, you guys would be the ones working on that, not somebody else who right. doesn't and really understand. The perfect, like, kind of analogy, I guess you could say for me, is because, I mean, I grew up hunting and fishing. My mm -hmm. dad got his degree from Texas Tech in wildlife and fisheries management. Yeah. So, that's hunting and fishing. Mm -hmm. And there's no better, like, wildlife conservationist and, and somebody who is making the right decisions mm -hmm. for an ecosystem or yeah. whatever it may be than people that are using in, in terms of humans and people that are using proper hunting techniques because yeah. it's proper population control and it's it's creating an environment that is as beneficial to every like organism that's in it as possible yeah. and no different from oil and gas it mm -hmm. takes somebody who's trained and knows what they're doing and uses mm -hmm. proper practices to do it correctly to yeah. produce correctly because i mean if you don't I, I could give anyone a book that says, this is how you set up an oil rig, this is how you go out there, this is how you drill it. And they could go out there and do it, but if they mess it up, then there's a lot that's yeah. at stake. Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah. it's it's a toss-up. It's uh -huh. obviously a very hotly debated subject oh, in yeah. today's world. Uh -huh. And so, 
It's kind of funny though, because I mean, one of the biggest reasons why I feel like a lot of people that do go petroleum engineering mm -hmm. go into it now is to do it the right way and yeah. do it where it has not only minimizes the impact, but mm -hmm. has less of an impact than a lot of the other forms of energy that are available right now. Like coals, it, again, coals, something that feasibly can't stop but it's a very dirty quote-unquote yeah. energy and so it's just kind of like a a toss-up of if we completely stop this then we're losing a lot so i think that we need to put in practices and find new ways mm -hmm. to do it that are safe and are like cleaner and that's just gonna take somebody who's trained in what they're doing so yeah. i'm banking on that being me mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think companies like Obviously Tesla, and then you have GM, who's like you said, making mm -hmm. that transition. Even that is going to take a while. And while they're making that transition, like cars that run on oil and like you know traditional means are still going to be produced and needed. And so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like people make it out to be like, oh, there's no future. You don't have really any future in petroleum engineering. Like right. Once you graduate, you don't have anything. But there's still a lot more than you would think. Right. And, and I mean, the, the perfect example, kind of just piggyback of mm -hmm. what you just said right there, is outside of people like, people like me that have classic cars, build and restore mm -hmm. stuff like that. I grew up doing that. It's like those cars are always going to run on oil and gas. Yeah. But they're also not run to the same extent as somebody's everyday driver is. Right. But feasibly, if they decided that in 2030, if all companies went electric vehicle, mm -hmm. well, there's going to be, I mean, it, that would mean more than likely above 99% of the people mm -hmm. when that decisions are made are still going to have traditionally yeah. run cars. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how long does that take? them to phase yeah. that out like right? yeah. there's still going to be exactly. for a long time yeah. gas stations and mm -hmm. that need is still going to be there I so it's just kind of a toss-up of mm -hmm. that's where i am yeah so. um and something else kind of like last thing related to engineering i wanted to ask you was you obviously petroleum engineering major you just said that your dad was what hunting and Wildlife and fisheries management. Okay, so, so yeah, uh, <laughs> what what made you even like choose engineering in the first place? Okay, so my mom went to Texas A and M. She got her degree in education and a math minor, mm -hmm. and then my dad went to Texas Tech in yeah. wildlife and fisheries management, mm -hmm. and he took. Uh, he's a long story. He yeah. his growing up and everything mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily always told like, hey go you yeah. and, and, and so it kind of got to college and it took him a minute to like okay this is i can do this like i'm yeah. smart and like wildlife fisheries management's a lot of science mm -hmm. and so he was taking science classes that were like two steps above what a lot of like engineers and stuff yeah. were taking and because of like the anatomy of different animals and stuff yeah. like that it was really wild but mm -hmm. i digress um i was in high school and kind of weighing my options. I thought about potentially kind of going like a pre-law track and wow. figuring out something that way. I was big into like music theater and vocal performance. Really? I didn't apply anywhere, yeah. but I was thinking about like trying to apply and go to like schools for that. Wow. Um, but the one common that I kind of always came, the common denominator that I always came back to is something that I was really good at mm -hmm. and that I didn't, that I, I did enjoy was yeah 
the application mm -hmm. of maths and sciences yeah and not necessarily sitting there in geometry and learning about everything <laughs> like the or, proofs and everything right, that, that's horrible yeah. even in like chemistry which i like chemistry i was almost yeah. a chemical engineer yeah but just the basic mind-numbing stuff mm. that is challenging because it takes a lot to understand at first yeah. i enjoyed when i could like take that to a lab or mm. like figure out how that equations or whatever worked and then apply that to something mm -hmm. and so i just I looked into like what that was and mm -hmm. I saw stuff about engineering and then I looked into the things that I was kind of mm -hmm. interested in and knew about and mm -hmm. it was I mean yeah chemical petroleum mechanical mm -hmm. uh, electrical whatever it was engineering yeah. and so I just made that decision and I actually one of the most important conversations that I had mm -hmm. about college was with my vocal coach so I got voice lessons and yeah. stuff for about two and a half years yeah. once a week and I was sitting there and he was talking about most of the kids that he had would apply and then mm -hmm. try to go to college for like the arts of some yeah. sort. And he told me, if you can't, like, if you can live without it or have something else mm -hmm. that you can do, yeah. especially something like engineering, mm -hmm. I would like exhaust everything that you can to do that. Yeah. But if you still do love this, then keep you it on the side and you can still pursue it and try to like do something in the arts or whatever it may yeah. be. But if you have something that you can do, that's going to be more of a guarantee, do it. Yeah. And I mean, that's where I was. That's the yeah. same way with, uh, you said my golf clubs when mm -hmm. you sat down, like no different than playing golf in high school or whatever it was, was I decided on engineering mm -hmm. over even all the other majors, just because that was something that I felt like was the most which is kind of funny after talking about petroleum engineering. <laughs> like it secure. was one of the most secure, like yeah. one of the most guaranteed mm -hmm. things that I could go into for yeah. my future. So I definitely agree with that. I feel like, I mean, I played flute going like all the way throughout high school and I never really thought of majoring in music, but right. my private lesson teacher was like, oh, you're super, super good. You should do it. And he was trying to like convince me to major in yeah. music. And in my head, I was thinking to myself, I can always pick up a flute or a piano or whatever and just play it. I enjoy music because it's just something that helps me relieve stress and makes me happy. Right. Uh, but in terms of majoring in it, why not try something else that, um, I don't know, I feel like I can still do in conjunction with music, mm -hmm. for example. And also, like you mentioned, engineering, I feel like even if you're like petroleum, right, and people think you're only, you're only zoned to like oil and gas, there's also some other industries you could do. You can obviously do consulting, which mm -hmm. is very analytical problem solving you can do so many different things and what i love most about engineering is you're helping people make those like tough decisions and it's just a lot of problem solving yeah and it's challenging and you know the answer isn't always going to come easy but it's a lot of fun and so that's kind of why i really like engineering too i i feel kind of one last thing on that mm -hmm. i feel like it sets you up kind of like you said for even outside of consulting i i feel like engineers could go into business of some yeah. sort after some experience in mm -hmm. the field I definitely agree. because they have that problem solving and they mm -hmm. have that ability now now the other nuances of business that like a business student may learn or something yeah. is going to take time mm -hmm. to, to kind of get the hang of but yeah. once they do get the hang of that i feel like the training that engineers get in college mm -hmm. kind of sets them up for like a wider field yeah. after their first few years in industry mm -hmm. so i definitely agree my uh, my dad 
I mean, he he has his PhD in like engineering mechanics. Like he's so smart. Yeah, way smarter than I ever was. <laughs> it couldn't be me. <laughs> it couldn't be me either. <laughs> Um, but he told me, you know, the reason why we ended up moving to Houston, he had a, he had an offer with Schlumberger. Mm-hmm. So he's been with their, with them for 20 years. But before that, he had the option to go to like Tennessee and work as some sort of bank accountant or whatever mm-hmm. with his engineering background. And he was telling me it's because like he's able, like, he kind of proved that he can learn really difficult concepts with his PhD and master's and just being an engineering like student yeah. in general that he was able to learn all these things in business because like you already know the learning, how to learn properly and just the learning process. So, and that's what my, so one of my cousins mm-hmm. works for gray bar. He's mm-hmm. kind of made his way up. He, he had a little rough go of it when he got into college and stuff, mm-hmm. but he, he, he has his master's now from Texas yeah. tech and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff. But, um, he is now some sort of manager for gray bar and like they're a, in their sales department. I'm not sure. He's mm-hmm. He's been very successful. Eric's done an incredible job for himself. Mm-hmm. And he was at my house for Christmas because mm-hmm. we kind of had to separate our family for Christmas and the whole coronavirus mm-hmm. times and with some health stuff going on yeah. with my immediate family to like kind of our areas of the state. Mm-hmm. So he came up, he and his wife came up and he was talking about the type of person that Gray Bar was hiring right yeah. now. And all across the board, whatever it was, but he said the people that they were having the most success out of mm-hmm. were engineers, uh-huh. like whether that be industrial distribution or any other form yeah. of engineering, but for sales positions, mm-hmm. the best, like the best type of person that they were getting mm-hmm. like results from were engineers that, which this is the part that shocked me, mm-hmm. that had below a 3.5 going yeah. through college, mm-hmm. which for me, I mean, that one mm-hmm. semester, that's that's where my GPA is right now. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't before that, and, and it shocked me because yeah. it, people that are involved that have below that 3.5, I understand, like, where yeah. he's coming from. Those are where those are the people that are talking more and, like, outside of, like, the school bubble more. Mm-hmm. But being here at school, yeah. it's it, I, I kind of understand it because a lot of my friends, that my roommate Wade, is not one of those people. He's... Yeah one of the most talkative individuals yeah. I know and would be incredible at that job and yeah. he has a 4-0. Yeah. But a lot of the people that I know in my classes and stuff that maybe aren't as outgoing mm-hmm. are those ones with the higher GPA. So that really kind of like mm-hmm. opened my eyes of like, oh, after school, this yeah. GPA thing really doesn't matter. No, it's honestly, so. it's like how you are as a person, like your ability to communicate. And it's funny too, because people who do well in school, obviously super, super smart people, but school never teaches you how to communicate with other people yeah. or the soft skills the, you, I feel like when we have presentations, for example, they like have a rubric of make sure you do this, this and this, but they don't teach you how to get that, you know? Mm-hmm. So like when you're presenting, no one's telling you, this is how you approach talking. They tell you, don't do this. Otherwise you'll get docked a couple points. Yeah. And so I think that's why, like, um, I, like when I first heard that too, it didn't really shock me whenever, they're like we have success with people below three five, but like they're still involved. They have all mm-hmm. these good qualities. That's not to say people who have like high GPAs. Oh are, yeah, right. No, yeah. Uh, people like that are going to be very successful <laughs> yeah. in life. But it was just it, it uh-huh. at first it's kind of like that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Factor. Yeah. Okay. Well, on a uh, more I guess personal like reflection type of note. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious. Who is like Rob Thomas at the core? Like if you had to give me like either like a life motto or it could be just like three words that described, like you felt described you best or yeah. Who, who's Rob Thomas? 
Um, so it's kind of funny. We just did a, I'll kind of give you the motto mm-hmm. and some of the sayings that I say all the time, <laughs> but please recently, um, we just in, in one army, mm-hmm. the men's organization that I'm a part of, we just did a thing about our like personal creeds about yeah. something like what we want to do and, mm-hmm. and how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I have one written down. It's not great, but it, 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 it kind of gives you the idea and I'll expand on it a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. kind of reword some stuff, but yeah. it's a set. It, mine essentially is, um, I will obtain personal growth and successes so that those around me are, the, uh, myself and those around me benefit from my presence and benefit from the effort that I put into them. Mm-hmm. And the, the ways that I will do this are focusing on every little moment, mm-hmm. whether it, I I feel like, and I kind of applied this also to what I want in a fish camp, which mm-hmm. is fish camp yeah. chair and stuff. <laughs> but I think that if you focus on and put effort into every small moment that you have, mm-hmm. whether that's on yourself or mm-hmm. on other people, yeah. on school, on work, whatever it is, mm-hmm. all of the big development and growth and, and things that kind of have impact on people will come naturally. Yeah. That, while those are important, mm-hmm. I feel like not focusing on that forefront yeah. is something that act, can lead to more impactful mm-hmm. like change and and well impact mm-hmm. on the people that i'm around so yeah. at my core i i like to believe that i'm a person that focuses on like myself it, making myself better not yeah. focusing on myself no, yeah, yeah. but um and then also focusing on the people around me and mm-hmm. focusing on every little detail of doing the things that i do to the best of my ability yeah um uh one of the things that i kind of say mm-hmm. that really reminds me of that constantly is um somebody says all right you ready to go mm-hmm. i just go born yeah like it's second nature at this point mm-hmm. at this point but um when i say that it's just kind of like yeah i'm ready yeah. like let's go i'm locked in i'm born mm-hmm. born ready let's do it yeah um and then also this is kind of funny so mm-hmm. i carry a pocket knife everywhere i go yeah. actually it's in the shorts that are behind you because I just changed into these joggers because it's cold outside oh, now. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I carry a pocket knife everywhere I go, and somebody and my dad. I actually got this from my dad. Yeah, my dad yeah. and I are really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a big impact on me. Um, yeah. but if somebody asked me if I have a knife on me or like, hey, do you have a pocket knife? I said, do I have my pants on, and that again, that's just kind of like, yeah, I got it and I'm ready. Um. Yeah. My knife actually says faith on it, mm-hmm. um, has faith in a cross. And so my dad, this is kind of something that has, this is a man and kind of a mindset that had a major impact on me and speaks to who I am, mm-hmm. I think. My dad had a best friend or his best friend. His name was Dean Hawkins. Mm-hmm. He was the dean, funny enough, of the <laughs> College of Agriculture and Science yeah. at West Texas A&M University. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. Had a PhD in reproductive physiology. Wow. Um, he was part of the team that was the first group of people to successfully clone prime yield grade one Angus beef. So for anybody <laughs> that's like, I don't know what that agriculture is, yeah, yeah. or uh-huh. doesn't know what it is, the agriculture people know. But uh-huh. the for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's essentially 
the best meat that you can get mm -hmm. off of an Angus cow. Yeah. So a lot of, I guess, the black cows that you see a lot of yeah. the time are Angus beef in the store. Mm -hmm. Like yield grade one, prime yield grade one is yeah. the best that you can get off of that. And what mm -hmm. they did is they took the genes from one of those cattle, mm -hmm. from one of those cows, and are successfully and now have a sex successfully cloned herd of wow. all very high quality meat cattle and yeah. he designed this big the the new agriculture center at west texas a&m mm -hmm. he designed it where they can do everything from birth to on your plate in front of you mm -hmm. for all different types of beef production yeah. and so that's just kind of a little insight but he is brilliant mm -hmm. he was this main science head lead on that mm -hmm. and I have a country accent. <laughs> Dean Hawkins sounds like he's been a sharecropper his whole yeah. life. He he was just, oh man, I don't, I, you know, it's just is what it is, buddy, and stuff like that. Uh -huh. But he, um, I cannot remember the dates exactly, and, and it's just slipping my mind right now. Mm -hmm. But he was diagnosed with recurring geoblastoma. It's mm -hmm. a very aggressive form of brain cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, essentially his prognosis was about two and a half months, I mm -hmm. believe, yeah. from the start. And he ended up living, I'm pretty sure it was two years almost on the dot yeah. past his prognosis. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of the way that he carried himself and kind of the way that he, um, the impact that he had on other people too mm -hmm. is really something that I always knew about, but I really didn't see mm -hmm. until his funeral. Um, yeah. People came in from all over the state. Mm -hmm. uh, he used to live in New Mexico, so people came in from New Mexico when we both lived out there. Mm -hmm. um, and it was insane because at, at this big Methodist church in, his, in Canyon where he was living at the time, the sanctuary and the fellowship hall was filled up and there was overflow into the hallways yeah. just to like pay respects to Dean. Mm -hmm. And um, I really didn't kind of realize it because we were... Dean had a brother and some nephews and then two twin daughters mm -hmm. and his wife. And then my dad was essentially like another brother to Dean. Dean yeah. was as close to like a second father figure. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess you could say I had. Yeah. And so he always had a big impact on me. I remember he loved Takati. Mm -hmm. And so when we lived in Las Cruces, New Mexico, uh -huh. when I was three years old, <laughs> Dean would pull up in our driveway to go play golf with my dad at like 6 a.m. And I would see his truck and run to the fridge and meet him at the door with a Takati beer. Yeah. It was like, Dean booze, is what I would say. <laughs> so he's been around me my whole time, yeah. and I'll kind of hurry this up. No, you're fine. You're good. It, it, I can talk for ages <laughs> about Dean Hawkins yeah. and about anything, really. Yeah. But um, he, the way that people talked about him mm -hmm. at his funeral and after his funeral and some of the letters that yeah. his family received and stuff were really just... It, it kind of opened my eyes to the impact that he had on people. People yeah. that hadn't talked to him in years that said that, like, the way that he, like, talked to them and helped them mm -hmm. change their lives and helped them for the better. Yeah. And um, he got his graduate, his Ph.D. from Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. He didn't have an Aggie ring, had enough hours for it. Yeah. And he, he wouldn't admit this. He always kind of gave people shit for, like, mm -hmm. oh, them Aggies, and they got a <laughs> ring, and they think they're crazy and yeah. stuff. But um, he he has said to me and some of like his daughter went to A and M and stuff that 
if there was one thing that he wished he had, it was an Aggie ring because yeah. of what it means and the type of people that come from come here from. And I am a firm believer of he is the type of person that embodies the like. He only got his graduate degree here, but he worked in the Texas A and M system, and he embodies the type of like selfless service and leadership yeah. that that Aggies are. And so, um, I say all of this to kind of. I try to mold a lot of my life off mm-hmm. of him, whether yeah. that's in fish camp or mm-hmm. in a men's organization mm-hmm. or in school, everyday life, yeah. whatever it is. I try to, I try to embody a little bit of him every day. Mm-hmm. And so a reminder of that back to the pocket knife where yeah. this started 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but so it says faith. Yeah. He had a lot of sayings that we call Deanisms mm-hmm. and the one that we kind of always used all the time is faith is like a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always need it, but it's nice to know it's there just in case you do. Yeah. And so for my birthday like after that. Dean passed, mm-hmm. got me a knife with faith on it. And, and, and I'm the type of person that like, I don't go to churches as much as I should. I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own thoughts and beliefs and things. Yeah. And, and it's just kind of this own internal mm-hmm. deal, but for me, at least, that's kind of like my form of worship and sanctuary at times when I really yeah. need it is I can look at that knife. It says faith. It reminds me of him. It reminds me of the type of person that he was. Yeah. And I can kind of mold myself and my character mm-hmm. off of that. Yeah. So, Wow. Oh, it sounds like a really cool guy. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was one of the funniest people. I it. So his tumor, when they first found it, mm-hmm. was the size of about a medium avocado, medium to small avocado in his mm-hmm. head. It took up 10% of his wow. brain mass. And he didn't do this, but he threatened that after the surgery, he was going to get that, that tumor and put it in a jar of mayonnaise <laughs> and set it on his desc, where when a student would come in and complain oh, about something yeah. he could slide it across the <laughs> desk and say you know what's in that jar that's <laughs> my brain too yeah man. so anyway that's yeah. it just hilarious guy mm-hmm. he was an incredible role model for a lot of people and had a real big impact on my dad who i've already mentioned is like yeah one of the, my closest friends mentors whatever it may be yeah. i love my parents they've yeah. incredible so it he's somebody that i kind of keep yeah. close so i i like to think that I have just a little bit of him, and if I don't, it's something that I'm trying for. Yeah, that's awesome, though. Something that, like, I kind of always think about, and you, when you talked about, like, the funeral, I have a lot of th- thoughts about this. Like, not dying, obviously, yeah. but um, how am I going to, like, be remembered? Or, like, whenever I go, like, when my funeral happens, I've had a couple of dreams. Like, it's kind of scary. I've had a couple of reoccurring dreams of, like, I'm dead, but... And I see people go to my funeral. Like, I'm just, like, somewhere far above. Mm-hmm. I can't communicate with them, but I can see the people at my funeral. And that's just, it's just crazy to think that, like, someday, hopefully not soon, <laughs> our, um, like, our lives are going to be done. And, you know, all that's going to be left of us is, like, what people have to say, right? Yeah. And, and, how, and, like, and what are they going to say? How exactly. are they going to remember you? Yeah. So, I think that's a really cool story. Um, and I, th- I think it's awesome that you're able to, like... I don't know, like, when when did, like, he pass away? Like, what age were you? So, I was, I believe, it was in February, so mm-hmm. coming up, February or March, one of the two, mm-hmm. um, but it was, and I'm, again, I'm blanking on the dates. I just mm-hmm. told this whole long-winded about how important it is, and I can't even remember the <laughs> date, but I want to say February of 2018. So, oh, okay, so it was recent. So, yeah, wow. it, it was... 
think, I guess that was my senior year. Senior year, yeah, it was. So, and so that, yeah, because he was diagnosed, I believe, at around the end of my sophomore year. So I was just going to say, it's really cool that you're able to kind of grow up with him. Like you said, he was basically your second dad. And you literally, like, progressed so much, I guess, maturity-wise, like, as a man. Um, and he kind of got to see that. I think that's really cool. And then yeah. obviously left a big impact on you, which is like, that's always awesome. No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no, it, it, and like I said, it maybe for most people wasn't the perfect like role mm-hmm. model, but I feel like that can go for everybody. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know, he just, he carried himself the right way in my mm-hmm. eyes and, and everybody that I feel like was impacted mm-hmm. by him. So, yeah. Um, you talked about how your dad, like huge role models to you. Yeah. What's like something really important that he's taught you that maybe sticks out about above other things. Hmm. See, and, and this is kind of me thinking at the Mm -hmm. same time, Yeah. but, um, every time somebody asks me a question along those lines, I find it so hard to answer. Mm -hmm. Not because there, uh, I mean, there is so much, but not Mm -hmm. because there's so much, but just because, I feel like so much of what he's done is kind of hard to put into words. Mm-hmm. So man of action. Very much so. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that he not only is a man of action is a man that's not, he doesn't sit around like mm-hmm. he could go to bed at 2 AM. He's going to be up at about six thirty at the latest the next morning. Yeah. And partially it's because his back hurts and <laughs> he can't lay there anymore, uh-huh. but um, he's going to get up and he's going to work whether mm-hmm. that's on something that he enjoys or his actual work. He is, the job that he holds at his company, he's had for a while now. It's Mm -hmm. a manager role. And most of the people that do his job, I'm just kind of bragging on him for a little bit. Oh, do it, yeah. Um, Most of the people that do his job, let's say they start working at nine, they're going to work until at least five and then be pushing afterwards and like working essentially overtime to get everything they need to do done. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of phone calls that come in till about five Mm o'clock, my dad is normally done with his job like the work that he does, mm-hmm. I would say probably by around noon on a normal day. Mm-hmm. So if he started at nine, that's nine to noon. Yeah. He can close all of his diaries, his files, check mm-hmm. on his guys, get everything going. Yeah. And he's just, he is very good and is brilliant mm-hmm. at, and he is able to sit down, do his work, do what needs to be done and, and do it right. And if he starts something, he's committed to it, and he's going to finish it. That's something, yeah. honestly, that's probably one of the things that I carry with most from him mm-hmm. is if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, like, lie. I'm not going to, like, hide anything. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm going to show you how and what I'm doing and how I feel about it. Yeah. And um, I feel like he has... And we were, so he still is a commissioner for Founders Day. It's Mm -hmm. a big festival that has hundreds of thousands of people that come to it every year in Dripping Springs. And he's the entertainment Mm -hmm. commissioner. But that's just his title. Outside of that, if you're on that commission, you do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's a security commissioner, but you're going to help him. Yeah, there's a a food commissioner, but you're going to help him. There's a... There's a parade person, but you're going to help them. Mm-hmm. And so all of it kind of put together. He has been on that commission. He's the second longest running member outside yeah. of like 
the director, like the, mm -hmm. the main person. And I got to help and be a part of that throughout high school. I, I, while I wasn't technically 18 yet and I couldn't officially be a part of the commission in the eyes of the city, yeah. I was, in all intents and purposes, kind of the work glove commissioner for everybody. I would help them set up a fence or yeah. go help with somebody who wasn't where they're supposed to be. Or I was the master of ceremonies for yeah. this main stage or whatever it was. And But his dedication to just to that yeah. aspect and... And he's still doing it because he signed up for it. He's going to do it, and he's going to do it to the best of his ability. I try to take that into everything that I do. Yeah. So kind of like that dedication and that drive and that commitment while also being a man of action. Don't You can talk all you want and yeah. have all these big theories about what needs to be done, but mm -hmm. until you get out and do it or at least try, mm -hmm. there's – it, it, yeah. it's all just a kind of whole bunch of fluff. Mm, so, yeah. and, and also he's not the type of person that's going to be like looking for praise or, right. or, or like, he's not the type of person that it even wants people to say good stuff about him all the time. Like he's the type of person that's just going to do his job. And if you notice it, great, you notice yeah. it, like we're going to move on. And mm -hmm. he's also willing to help any and everybody like mm -hmm. our friends, whatever it is, if they, if something's wrong on their car, mm -hmm. he pulls it, we have a, he worked his whole life to get enough money for the shop in our mm -hmm. backyard. Yeah. So we have this big shop in our backyard and if something's wrong with somebody's car and mm -hmm. they have the parts, we figure out what it is. Yeah. They bring it in. We're going to fix it. There you go. We're going to sit there and he's going to fix it while that guy drinks a beer and we're mm -hmm. going to have fun and we're going to hang out and mm -hmm. it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Now, is that necessarily what he wanted to do that day? No, mm -hmm. but he's there for them, whether he's disgruntled about it or not, mm -hmm. but like he's doing it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just he's he's very much so somebody who has had a major impact on me a lot like yeah. Dean. Obviously, I'm around my dad more and like like I said, he is also my best friend. Mm -hmm. He has treated me like an adult from the time I was probably 3 years old mm -hmm. and and obviously give speech take, yeah. changed, yeah. give and take. Mm -hmm. He's still my father and stuff, yeah. but in social settings or in expectations and the way that he like handled that mm -hmm. it's always been he he holds me to just as high or higher of a standard than other people in his mm -hmm. life and has treated and talked to me mm -hmm. in serious situations for a long time yeah. like an adult like one mm -hmm. of his peers or one of his friends or partners or whatever it is like mm -hmm. that's how he's treated me and I feel like that's helped me a lot kind of grow but also be prepared for mm -hmm. life in the real world yeah. and he has a maturity in a sense that's different, I think, from the average maturity. Yeah. It's it's like a social maturity where he can still be goofy and fun and mm -hmm. whatever, but yeah. it's it, it's a maturity of understanding more so than a maturity. It's it's a wisdom, I yeah. guess, is the word that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. He's just a very wise individual. And I was gonna say, Rob, like when I met you freshman year, I kind of got that vibe from you too. Yeah. Like obviously you're a freshman, but I'm thinking to myself, this guy's talking like he's been here forever. It's not like he's trying to act like a know-it-all or anything. He just carries himself in a very admirable way. And I haven't... Usually when you meet freshmen, it's really easy to tell. They just act really stupid, yeah. say a lot of dumb things. I didn't really get that from you. So no. I think that's really cool that you literally just mentioned all that. And like that's something I noticed about you when I first met you. Well, I appreciate that. Because, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, that's something that 
I try to and mm-hmm. strive to do. So yeah, for sure. Um, and since we're talking about like, I guess when I met you freshman year, um, how do you think you've changed like from your freshman year to where you are right now? So I came into freshman year and I, I, I've talked to a lot of people and it's almost like a lot of people come into freshman year and then it kind of like punches them and they're like, oh, okay. And then they're ready. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I was ready for that punch mm-hmm. and it was delayed until that second semester. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> a literal, like a literal like collision. But, um, I honestly, after that like moment, cause I, I was, I was kind of ready for it. And then it was kind of at a point where I was like, okay, so like up until that point, so like half of three quarters of a year, yeah, I really didn't feel like I had gone through this big transformative experience. I, I was in a great organization, mm-hmm. had met great friends, had seen them grow and them yeah. change and had gotten fish camp. And it was like this great experience. And like, I could see how that was going to develop people. Yeah. And then that happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was kind of like a moment where like over the course of my entire life, mm-hmm. outside of like personal and family stuff like mm-hmm. Dean or, or yeah. I've had a, there was a span where a lot of my great grandparents, I had, I had mm-hmm. a lot of great grandparents when I was growing up died in like a four or five year span and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, outside of that and like just kind of the realization and understanding that that brings you, that concussion was kind of the moment and that literal collision was mm-hmm. the moment where I feel like I actually then started like a process of change. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you like how and what Mm -hmm. I think I, I think I still am changing. I think I will be for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think that it not necessarily change more so of growth. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, it it slows down, it speeds up, it's different all the time. Mm -hmm. But, um, I feel like I came in not cocky and or overly confident, but mm-hmm. I came in comfortable with yeah. who I was. Uh-huh. And while I still am, mm-hmm. I am now not afraid because of that. Because I had never failed a class. Yeah. I had never failed a quiz yeah. or a test. Mm-hmm. And then I got a concussion and I had a 196 in a semester. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like on the, like, whoa, yeah. I have to do all sorts of appeal fish camp. Like, uh-huh. I didn't even think that was a possibility. Yeah. Like retake classes do stuff over the summer right um and so it was just kind of this big holy holy shit moment (laughs) um but i am now willing and more i understand now that it's okay to be uncomfortable and that growth and that like some really cool things can come from being uncomfortable yeah and so I feel like that has carried me a lot throughout college. All of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, especially with COVID changing. Yeah, I mean, everything. from fast staff, yeah. I kind of had gotten back into a groove there of like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm back on this thing. And then on spring break, everybody got the message on spring yeah. break, but we were on spring break. And the day before the, we got the, hey, one more extra day of spring break, because that's yeah. what happened first. Mm-hmm. The day before that happened, I got a call from my mom. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, Nanny's had some health problems. That's my grandmother. Yeah. She said, Nanny's had some health problems. Um, give me a call back. And I was like, okay. So I called her the next morning. We were on spring break with fast staff. Yeah. 
and called her at 7 a.m. the next morning, and she was like, yeah, and I, because my dad was still at the time in the hospital, and yeah. my grandmother had a very serious stroke. Mm-hmm. She's she's recovering now, her speech stalls and all there, uh-huh. she's, she has displayed incredible fight throughout all this, um, yeah. but according to the medical people, she had a stroke that 85% of the people that have that magnitude of stroke in that area of the, of the brain, yeah do not make it to the hospital. And she was up and walking wow. within 24 hours, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. uh, there's people that never walk again, that mm-hmm. don't leave the bed. And the fact that she was able to have those motor skills and, mm-hmm. and it's resilience, it, it was incredible. Yeah. But um, that's also taught me a lot. That's mm-hmm. been a moment of incredible change. That's kind of like the second collision because yeah. I left spring break with fast staff and went to immediately to home, went yeah. to St. David's. And while we were at St. David's is when they started COVID screening yeah. and when they started like limiting who could go in the hospital. And it got to a point where I was there for three days and then my roommates, we had a trip planned to Big Bend. Yeah. And after she started walking out when we were more comfortable, just after two days, they came by and picked me up and we went to Big Bend. Yeah. And Big Bend's where we got the, hey, you're not coming back to school. Yeah. And all the meanwhile, that was the last thing on my mind because of mm-hmm. what was going on in my family. Yeah. And it was a moment where I was very uncomfortable. I was very mm-hmm. unsure. But I also had to be kind of this form of strength Mm-hmm. And, and form of like confidence yeah. for my parents and my grandfather and my mm-hmm. uncle who was coming into town and yeah. and my grandmother's sisters and brother who mm-hmm. were coming into town during a time where they shouldn't be traveling, yeah. but they needed to be here mm-hmm. to, to help us, to, to help her. So there was all this going on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so honestly, doing school online was kind of a blessing yeah. last, or, uh, last spring mm-hmm. because it was a moment where I kind of, family's always been very important to me. Yeah. I've always been the type of person where one of my main goals growing up is to have a family, mm-hmm. to to have a wife and love and support her, to, mm-hmm. to have children and mm-hmm. be the best father and friend that I can be to mm-hmm. them and set them up for the future. Yeah. And I feel like that experience of focusing on family with somebody mm-hmm. who has been in my life since my birth. Yeah, so close like, to like, like that almost. You know, and, like that's... And seeing how the rest of the family yeah. was around her and then kind of, I mean, I was the person driving people back and forth to the hospital. I was the person that was going over and helping and I was essentially the runner while doing like taking like, I think it was 16 hours of school. Yeah. So it, 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 and then I also, I started my internship early because they knew I was in town. So they're like, Hey, come over because it's across the street from my house where I interned. And it was just like, yeah, come on. So yeah. I was just bouncing around, but it was this moment where I feel like I grew more of an understanding and more of a maturity, I guess you could say, and not necessarily confidence, but ability to hopefully in the future be a better family member, be, be more prepared for things that happen. And and there's going to be things that I'm not prepared for, but being able to adapt and kind of take all those things, not necessarily in stride, but if they knock me down, it, and this is 
completely off the subject, but Dan Campbell, the former Texas A&M player, he just got hired to be the Detroit Lions head uh-huh. coach. And in his opening speech, he said, if they knock us down, we're going to come up. And he, I think he said something to the effect of, like, we're going to eat their kneecaps off. I'm not going to go that crazy. But, yeah. like, if something knocks me down, I'm going to get right back up. And, like, I'm going to be able to roll and get better and, and get over that thing and work or work around that thing. Yeah. When whatever it may be, working with people, yeah. like, that dynamic, whatever it is. I feel like that's – that those two experiences, that major moment with my grandmother during a time that was really fun and then – Scary for a lot of other people. Yeah. And that was literally like we were driving out of Big Ben mm-hmm. and my roommates were going crazy. Like, what are we going to do? Are we ever going to have school again? Like, yeah. we have to be safe. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And all the meanwhile, I was like hiking up the side of a mountain and I was like, I, my head's not in it right yeah. now. I should be in mm-hmm. Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the concussion to that moment, I feel like it's just taught me to be uncomfortable yeah. and taught me to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. taught me to... And I'm already, I mean, I cry all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm president of the criers club. <laughs> um, but like, it taught me how to learn more from that. Yeah. And I feel like that's where I am now. I'm outside of school or mm-hmm. engineering, outside yeah. of interactions with other people. I feel like I'm at a place where I can learn and grow and then also relate to others. Yeah in ways that I haven't been able to mm-hmm. before. So that's how I've changed since freshman year. Um, I feel like I'm pretty not, I feel like I'm good at not showing that to people. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like I can carry myself in a way where I'm always, I'm always Rob unless you, unless mm-hmm. I need to be like something else. Like I, I, I'm not. But I think it's still like, it speaks volumes to like, be able to realize, you know, I'm this way. I've like, what was I going to say? I was going to say, like, being able to, like, talk about all this, like, deep emotional stuff, whereas, like, maybe your freshman year, you hadn't really been slapped in the face with reality, right? right? And you're just like, oh, like, things are fine, I'm living my best life here, kind of ignorant of the real world. Yeah. Um, I think it really shows, like, how much you've grown. And I think COVID, for a lot of people, if you weren't, like, if, if you just took COVID as, like, oh, this is just a break, you didn't really grow from it. No. Because there's a lot of difficult things you had to go through, whether it was just being more cautious, being more aware, obviously like spending more time with your family was a huge one. I didn't really, I think up until, um, like after my first year, freshman year, I didn't call my parents like every week or something. And you know, you don't have to do that to show them you love them, but like they weren't always like at the forefront of my mind. Right. And then starting this fall, I've called them like once every week. Yeah. And you know, some people like that's really easy for them to do. But for me, like I just never really, got into that habit oh i i am one of the worst (laughs) text call communicators like if i think something i'm gonna pick up the phone and call you or i'm gonna shoot you a text but just the just the hey what's going on how are you i am horrible at that so like it's definitely it's definitely something i feel like and it's something i'm focusing on to get better but it's definitely something that like i feel like with time in college people that have that kind of like us that have that kind of Mm -hmm dilemma i don't know what the word is but people that have that yeah kind of grow with it and learn how to do it but um i was gonna say something something smart oh well (laughs) all good um i wanted to ask you about uh fish camp stuff yeah no let's go tell me about so i'm trying to think you know bryn bryn was on here before i was gonna say you were the first person as a chair this year on here but bryn was on here but still, I didn't really ask her too much about it. So um, tell me, 
First of all, tell me in your own words, what is a chair? <laughs> what is a fish what camp chair? What is a fish camp chair? Well, I'll give you two little definitions. <laughs> okay. I'll give you the by the book one in yeah. my own words, and okay. then I'll give you the like what a fish camp chair is for me at yeah. least. Um, by the book, a fish camp chair is someone who is in charge of 24 counselors mm. that put on a camp of various sizes mm. for incoming freshmen to Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, that's just very bare bones mm -hmm. what they do. But um, for me, in my own words, what a chair is, is somebody who is dedicated to not only fish camp mm -hmm. and to the freshmen and to their counselors and to the vision, but also dedicated to Texas A&M. Yeah. It's somebody that, and it's one of the main reasons why I did it. Um, I think that fish camp chairs are people that know what this university is mm -hmm. and know what it can do and are passionate ab about it enough to give that and facilitate that for starting off with not only their partner, mm -hmm but then into their 24 counselors mm -hmm. and then into their up to 400 freshmen. Yeah. If you're in a big camp, yeah. like, uh, and being able to kind of like what I was saying earlier, focusing on every little moment and focusing on the relationships and focusing on like that, like unity aspect mm -hmm. of like being a human. Yeah. I feel like that's what fish camp chairs do. And mm -hmm. I feel like if they focus on that and facilitate that and give that to their counselors mm -hmm. and then their counselors can give that to their freshmen mm -hmm. and it, it's all, it all builds itself to succeed and achieve the goals of development of, um, me blinking right now. That's <laughs> great. But like it, 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 <clears throat> it, it makes the fish camp vision and the fish camp, uh, mission happen. Yeah. It makes, if you focus on those little things and facilitate to the best of your ability, the like family and camaraderie of mm -hmm. Texas A&M yeah. on that smaller scale, then the impact that you can have, even if it's just in one person's life mm -hmm. or if it's in 400 people's life, yeah. that impact then continues what Texas A&M is about. Mm -hmm. Texas A&M is a place where you're, like the people and the students and the former students are so passionate, not mm -hmm. only about their schools and sports teams, mm -hmm. but also about each other. Yeah. It's somewhere where it's why Dean mm -hmm. said that if there was one thing that he could have, it would be an Aggie ring. Cause it's not just for business. It's also for like the camaraderie in between yeah. people. It's it, you are making the Aggie network and the Aggie spirit continue mm -hmm. and grow yeah. in ways that a lot of other organizations and a lot of other and even going to Kyle Field, mm -hmm. I feel like doesn't. Now, I'm not saying that that always happens in fish camp. Mm -hmm. I feel like... Yeah, it's so different it, for it, everyone. And it's so different than what it used to be. Yeah. Um, I necessarily... I didn't really get that my freshman year. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people say that. I knew a lot about fish camp coming in because mm -hmm. I was such an Aggie fan and yeah. everything. Um, and I'd heard a lot about it. People that were counselors before. Like, I knew a bunch of the little details yeah. that I wasn't supposed to know. But um, I... I came in and I didn't get that, but I knew what it could be. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like my first year we did a good job of trying to do that. And then last year we did an incredible job on zoom of trying to do that. Yeah. And every year I feel like I got a little bit better at mm -hmm. giving Texas A&M mm -hmm. to these Aggies, yeah. letting, letting them use and abuse 
me and the system, but also give back to it at the yeah. same time and pour into the people around them, whether they knew that they were doing that or not. Yeah. Because if a freshman comes and cracks one smile by the end of the week, mm -hmm. it may make a counselor who's nervous about being a fish camp counselor yeah. smile and be confident in themselves mm -hmm. now. Yeah. It may make a counselor like be able to then pour into mm -hmm. people that they meet after fish camp yeah. or on the bus ride home or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I just think that being able to give that to people here mm -hmm. is what is so important. Yeah. And Texas A&M is something that obviously I'm passionate about, <laughs> but like, I think that when done properly mm -hmm. and there's all this talk about old army's dead, right? Yeah. Like one of my, one of our friends used to be able to buy, uh, like snuff, like dip, yeah, long cut tobacco uh -huh. and cigarettes in the chicken. Wow. You can't anymore. You can't smoke in there. Mm -hmm. It's reasonable. Yeah. He says, old army's dead. You can't even buy dip in the chicken anymore. That's one of the things that he always says. Uh -huh. But I feel like old army, new army, whatever that is, mm -hmm. the thing that does pertain throughout mm -hmm. Texas A&M is if you walked across campus in 1940 yeah. and were surrounded by Aggies, mm -hmm. no girls at that time, but yeah. surrounded by Aggies, you would be just as likely to see someone. They would say hello, be kind, be willing to give you a ride somewhere, help you out as you are today yeah. with 70,000 people that go to this university. Yeah. And so being able to not only use and abuse that, but yeah. let it use and abuse you mm -hmm. is something that I think Fish Camp can do because it has been around so long mm -hmm. and it can introduce mass amounts of people to that culture. Yeah. That's what being a chair is about is, mm -hmm. and that's what fish camp is about is mm -hmm. letting that happen and continuing that kind of spirit that is here at A&M. Yeah. So sorry if that's kind of long winded no, and vague, beautifully, but beautifully put beautifully where put. I am. Yeah, no, even with everything being online last year for us, I still think fish camp was one of the most rewarding things I've been able to do. Yeah. Um, it's, unrealistic to think that you're going to touch every freshman's heart right. and reach out to them. And my first, I've never been to fish camp before my first year. Mm -hmm. So I came into that mindset of, I'm going to try to meet as many freshmen as possible and be like great friends with them. Let them know I'm there for them. Some freshmen, like they just don't want that. And that's right. okay. It doesn't resonate with them. What matters is like the lives you can touch. Right. And especially as you grow older, like first year to second year, and then second year, third year, a chair or whatever. Right. The amount of people you can impact is way more. Well, and 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 I I'm a firm believer also that like one of the best conversations that I had was with a Drews Mangal. He was a fast freshman last year mm -hmm. under me, but on the way home from mm -hmm. fish camp, he was a freshman in my first year camp. Mm -hmm. On the way home from fish camp, we sat in a group of a small small group of people, and then it just kind of got to us. We just literally talked about life, yeah. and it kind of started with like what can you do at Texas A&M was what the group was asking. And we were talking from anywhere from service organizations to flows to, mm -hmm. to once you get older, being muster hosts and stuff yeah. like this and everything that you could do. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, we then just got into a conversation, Andres and I did, and we just started talking about who we were, yeah. who we were as people, what we thought, what we did, what we needed, and whether it be organizations or in life or in friends. And that type of impact on just that one person yeah. is incredible. And that's the type of impact that I think people are so drawn to fish camp by. Yeah. But I think another huge impact that can happen at fish camp is 
you have a camp of 24 counselors mm -hmm. and freshmen from all different places. You have freshmen from inner city Houston and you have freshmen like my dear friend Dalen Schultz mm -hmm. from Abbott, Texas, yeah. which is a 1A school outside mm -hmm. of Waco. Yeah. And all of these different types of people with all these different types of belief come in and see a camp. And I think what's so important about Fish Camp is having a camp that when you look at it, it's people that one, aren't trying to force an issue of anything, but mm -hmm. also are confident and comfortable mm -hmm. with themselves and being who they are. Yeah. Where if you want to get deep and talk about something mm -hmm. or some serious matter or something that may make you uncomfortable, you can. Yeah. But also if you want to sit there and just have a fun time and <clears throat> and get to know these people and mm -hmm. be more just relaxed when you get to College Station finally, yeah. then you are. And that's seeing... Not even seeing somebody like you, but seeing somebody that you can, from a distance, even if you don't talk to them, you're like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. that person's that person's like me, or that person's mm -hmm. cool. And yeah. seeing that, and then being able to like come here and then see seventy thousand people that are exactly like that, mm -hmm. it's. I mean, you don't have to talk to them. There's yeah. there's freshmen from Vondrell because that was a huge camp. Yeah, that, a huge camp. <laughs> there's freshmen from Vondrell that. And no offense if any of them are listening, that I wouldn't know if they walked past me and said, hey, Rob, what's up? Yeah. But I think the fact that they could walk by and say, hey, Rob, what's up, mm -hmm. is, is one of the things that makes Fish Camp so cool. Yeah. Because not only can they say, hey, what's up, Rob, to me, when they got here to Texas A&M, they talked to the first three people they saw, yeah. and they may never talk to them again, but when they see them again, mm -hmm. they'll smile. And they don't, they don't even know their name, but they'll go... What's up? Yeah. And that's Texas A&M. And mm -hmm. that's what Fish Camp can do, yeah. even if it's not that long-winded, heartfelt conversation that you have with a kid on the bus ride home. Exactly. Yeah. So. I think, like, what you're going through right now, too, <clears throat> is, like, one of the best parts of, like, being a chair because you're looking for other counselors. Yeah. And that's so much fun because you don't know who you're ending up with. And At all. <laughs> At all. At all. Um, we don't even know who our partners are right exactly, now. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And I think the fact that this process is like changed this year, obviously, and it's a bit more stretched out than it used to be. Yeah. I think in some ways it's pretty good for you guys, especially because um, if there's one thing that I wish I could have done more of like last year in your shoes is like, remember what it's like in this moment before you have your camp, before everything, like yeah. just what it's like going through this whole process, meeting other chairs, talking with them. And then once you find your partner, how you guys like come together and build something awesome. And then eventually like when you add your counselors, like just meeting them for the first time, that's awesome. And then finally, as you get closer to camp and you just see how excited these people go, like yeah. become and the amount of growth that like you invest into some of your counselors and the people they are from the beginning to the end, like some of my counselors, I think back in March, they would have been so scared to just lead a group of yeah. freshmen. Right. And then coming into it, like, the first day, they were so scared. They were just like, Victor, I don't know what to do. And then I hop into their breakout room, and they're just goofing off with their freshmen, having the best time. And you don't even have to do anything. Yeah. And the freshmen are enjoying it. And I don't know. It's just seeing that growth and that change for like the little few months that you have with them is awesome. No, and, and that's what I, I'm so excited for. There's a ton of people right now. Um, we don't get our partners until like <laughs> a week and a half. Or next weekend. So like yeah. a week from now. Uh -huh. um, but... There's so many people that are, oh, what, who's, who's my partner going to be? Yeah. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Or like, yeah. oh, I'm, I, I want my camp to be great. Yeah. And, and I'm of the mindset of like, yeah, there's obviously like 
people that I want. Like, I want to be partners with somebody. Yeah. But there's also nothing I can do about it. Exactly. And, and, and also, once I do get my partner, whoever whoever that may be, is I, I'm going to work with them to create, like you said, mm-hmm. that fish camp experience and something that is so awesome and mm-hmm. is so beautiful that, like, I'm going to work with them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get those counselors no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, like, fish camp's going to be fish camp. And it doesn't matter what's going on right now. Yeah. So focusing, and I know this is kind of a big picture thing after I've said, like, I want to focus on the little details, uh-huh. but keeping in mind what the end goal and ending, like, scenario is, mm-hmm. is so important right now. Because if you don't, then you're going to get caught up. You're going to get caught up on the little things that you should be mm-hmm. pouring heart and soul and dedication into and not worry into mm-hmm. yeah. so it's kind of where i am with the process i know this is really like early on maybe haven't even thought about this yet but um just imagine i mean we don't know if it's going to happen in person or, or not but let's just let's just say like for some reason it's on zoom right yeah um what and and like the last night you're talking to like your freshman or whatever because like i think cha- yeah chairs get a um like a little campfire night or mm-hmm. something uh, what is something that you would tell the freshman as a chair? Because it might be different. Like they see you differently than some of the counselors. And that's something I had to realize yeah. was I don't have my own set of kids who are like going to look at me as like an older brother. They see me almost as like way older. I'm only three years older than them. But they see they you see, as like yeah. an adult at <laughs> yeah. that point. Like, <laughs> so like how do you, how, what are you going to say to them to like relate to them, encourage them? Or what's like a point you want to get across to them? Honestly, and, and like you said, this is, I, I don't think I've really even thought about this. Yeah, no, I don't but, blame um, you. And you kind of already said it, but it, it's the same thing that, I mean, I've told people at Banners for Fish Camp. Mm-hmm. I told people at Banners for Fast last year. Yeah. I told freshmen at Fish Camp my first and second years on on Zoom last year. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that thing about, I'm literally three years older than you. I'm, I've been in college longer than you. Mm -hmm. I've been to fish camp. This is my third time before or twice before you did. I've been in organizations. I've been in classes. I've failed. I've passed. Mm -hmm. I've been places with friends, skiing, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I've had more, two years more of experience than you, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I know more than you, I am more than you, I'm better than you, like, everybody at this university, and and you, and and my belief, you will soon learn, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, even older, that are just graduated, that are, have been in, at work for 20 years, and are 55 years old, Mm -hmm. everyone has experiences, and everyone has an ability to, be themselves and to like kind of I guess make your own mark I, that's kind of cheesy and whatever yeah. but like you have the ability to be who you are and talk to who you want to and be friends with anyone and or be a mentor to someone mm-hmm. or a mentee from someone yeah. where I'm I would be willing to go to you for help or advice mm-hmm. just as much as you should be willing to come for me yeah. I I want to be able to walk across campus two years after I graduate mm-hmm. and when you're a junior or a senior whether yeah. you're in fish camp or not 
walk up to you and if you don't remember who I am or if I don't remember you, who you are, I still want to be able to walk up to you and make a connection with you yeah. and be on the same level of like, yeah, I'm the same. Like, it's so scary coming in as a freshman for a lot of people of like, oh no, like, like some of the first years in camp, they're going to think are way old, yeah. older than them and they're going to be younger than some of the freshmen. Yeah, that's true. And, and so understanding that and like, yeah, there may be more of like, it's not necessarily a false sense of maturity, but there may just be more of like a perceived perceived yeah. sense of maturity. But in all reality, we're on a level playing field. It doesn't matter if you've taken Kim 100 or whatever it is yeah. now. Like, it doesn't matter what chemistry class or what mm. math class or what business or polls class you've taken so yeah. far. That matters for school, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter for your relationships with people and it doesn't matter for your interactions and like who you are as a person. So come here and be comfortable and confident and talk to everybody. And like, yeah, you, you may be walking by and somebody said, oh, freshman. Yeah. Or you may be walking by if you're, let's say next year, you're in an organization, like a flow and you're recruiting yeah. for a flow or, or you're at a fish camp thing and you somebody gives you flack for fish camp or somebody mm -hmm. gives you flack for a flow or somebody gives you flack for not being anything. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't mean that necessarily they mean it because they might, but that doesn't mean that like that should have an impact on you yeah. because you have your own experiences and you have your own person. Like you are your own person. Just be that person. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't, you shouldn't give an F what anybody thinks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it shouldn't make a difference mm -hmm. of you, sh of who you are. Yeah. So, just be yourself, be comfortable and confident. And honestly, we're three years apart. Yeah. I could be your friend. Yeah. You don't have to be scared <laughs> of me. So as of it. right now, that's where I would be. For sure, yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's 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 a really rewarding experience, I'll tell you that. I'm uh, like I'm looking forward to it. And this. it's crazy too, because like I've known you since freshman year. And it's it's like I don't know, it's just cool seeing like people grow up and like you're phased out of the organization, but somebody else, like, you see them as a friend all the time, but then, like, someone who's a freshman right now is, like, oh, like, the great, like, Rob is awesome, and, like, I need to, like, worship him. We're like, no, like, you're just a regular person. <laughs> exactly. But it's just cool to see, like, you guys are in that position to, like, make that change and, and be there for people, create an awesome environment for freshmen and counselors. I think it's, it's an awesome time for you. So. Oh, I'm excited, and I think that, about the whole online in person yeah. thing. Not that it matters, but mm -hmm. they've, and Joey is the risk management director, but all yeah. of these staff has done mm -hmm. an incredible job of pretty much doing everything they can to make yeah. it in person at Lakeview. Mm -hmm. um, if I was a betting man, <laughs> I would put money on it happening in person. But then again, I lose a lot of my sports bets. <laughs> so it, it, I'm not going to give any hard definitive answer, but I am very optimistic and excited, yeah. knock on wood, yeah. that it will at least be in some person yeah. uh, in some capacity in person mm -hmm. so for sure yeah oh yeah and i've like i like obviously we had it online i was able to meet some freshmen in person and it's just really cool yeah because you see them on a computer screen and it's almost just like meeting counselors for the first time in like march and april when you're just playing all these games and yep. over zoom it's just really cool finally meeting them in person. And I have not been able to meet as many as I've wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, not as many are active in the in the group me. And some, like honestly, I probably only met eight to ten in person. Yeah. And 
it's just cool to let them know like, Hey, I might never see you in person, but I'm here for you if you need me. Yeah. I like stress that every time I say something in the group me and it's just going to be crazy if who knows, like I'll be gone from college, but then they become chairs, they become counselors, mm-hmm. a couple have already applied. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, I I think that's one of the cool things about, and, and I guess this can be said for so many organizations, but it's mm-hmm. definitely more visible, I yeah. feel like, in Fish Camp, mm-hmm. is that kind of, because it is across, it's a one-year thing, Yeah, but it's across all levels mm-hmm. of Texas A&M, from yeah. graduate students to mm-hmm. freshmen, yeah. and so, yeah, somebody who you were a DG parent for, or mm-hmm. a chair for, or... Yeah that saw you at fish camp one time yeah. may then be a chair mm-hmm. and you're in your second year of your job. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, like <laughs> that's cool. Cause yeah. that's still going on. And uh-huh. it's not like, Oh, that's my impact on it. But no, it's like, yeah. I, I, I watched that happen. Yeah. Like I've, I, I at least yeah. feel like I'm a little bit a part of that uh-huh. because I was there when it started. Yeah. So I think that's one of the cool things about this organization. Sure. And like, and it goes vice versa because mm-hmm. I mean, my chair, my right there on my like little dresser thing. Like my yeah. my chair's my first year. Like they're doing real work yeah. right now, and they're also dope as hell. Uh-huh. And like it's cool because like I knew them here. Yeah, I knew like I'm their college friend, but yeah. now they're like real. Yeah, <laughs> and so like that's just such a cool like mm-hmm. deal. And yeah. and then again, I can say the same thing about like people that I played golf with in high school that are at college and going professional in golf, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Me, no, yeah. or like theater, where mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> they're trying to be on Broadway, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm an engineer at Texas A and M, like, so our paths couldn't be any more different. Yeah, but like, it, it's just so cool to kind of, from whenever you cross somebody's path, you're mm-hmm. like, you're gonna go places that I, yeah. we you don't even know where you're going mm-hmm. or me, and I'm excited yeah. to see where that is. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, final question for you. Uh, all right, shoot. What are some of your like goals you want to accomplish this year? Goals that I want to accomplish. Could be academically, could be socially, uh, personally, literally whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, probably, all right. I would definitely say for, um, from an academic standpoint, mm-hmm main uh, success for me academically is kind of it, it changed a lot after yeah. that impact mm-hmm. um i feel like literal impact <laughs> yeah that. i know that's funny. um but like i uh i'm not as caught up on and, and one of the things that my dad always tells me before mm-hmm. i'm taking a test or mm-hmm. going to do school or whatever is make a hundred yeah like just it's obviously like a joke but it, mm-hmm. and he make a hundred he'll go I, mean, I just think it's kind of funny mm-hmm. but like for me, that making a hundred isn't necessarily making a one hundred, but yeah. it's successfully completing and completing to the best of my ability yeah. what I'm doing academically, mm-hmm. and ideally that is making A's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little ridiculous mm-hmm. with the coursework and all the extracurricular and stuff that I'm in. Yeah. But um, I think that to the best of my ability with the time that I have set aside for it, mm-hmm. completing and being successful in my schoolwork. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's having at least a B in yeah. everything that I have. Mm-hmm. So that I, I guess that you can say that's kind of like a surface level goal for that. Okay. Um, definitely on a personal level, and I kind of already touched on this earlier, mm-hmm. but 
focusing on those little moments and yeah. focusing on my relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And I have a mentee at Still Creek Ranch mm-hmm. through One Army and getting out there and seeing him and talking to him yeah. and focusing on that relationship and focusing on the relationship with my big and One Army mm-hmm. and focusing on my chair partner. Tolly. Yeah, Tolly. Yeah. Absolute legend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but focusing on my relationships with my roommates, yeah. focusing on my chair partner relationship, mm-hmm. focusing on once I get my counselors, my counselor relationships. Yeah. Um, but doing it in that way where it's the little things, it's mm-hmm. the little moments. It's yeah. being there for them, knowing who they are, knowing mm-hmm. things about them, opening up to them, yeah. being close to them, having fun, yeah. uh, enjoying my time, mm-hmm. whether that's going to a party with mm-hmm. somebody or for going to a date party yeah. or going to study at Evans with somebody mm-hmm. or going to watch somebody speech. Like the other day we went and watched a guy's speech at 9am mm-hmm. for like a pre presentation yeah. and like the halfway point of a project or something. It's like the second week of school and yeah. he was like, Hey, you want to show up? We were <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So just like diving in and being committed to every little moment where not only do my relationships get better from like a social standpoint mm-hmm. and from a like connection standpoint, but mm-hmm. also from a personal standpoint, yeah. I feel like that's one thing that COVID helped a lot of people do is become through the disconnect. I feel like people became more personable. Mm-hmm. And so not necessarily exploiting that, but like utilizing that mm-hmm. and, and taking advantage of every opportunity that I'm given yeah. um, when my relationships and, and the way that I talk to and interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And then from like a professional level, um, whether I get an internship or not, yeah. it's very important, mm-hmm. um, obviously, but I, I'm going to be here for a full fifth year. Yeah, so, me too. <laughs> so I, I'm going to, I'm going to have an extra summer if it yeah. doesn't go through with the way the petroleum business yeah. is right now. Uh-huh. But um, I would definitely say being, proactive in my networking and honing my interpersonal and like professional skills where that internship or no internship Mm -hmm. by the time that I do go into industry or by, by this point next year, Mm -hmm. I am more prepared and better for my future than I am today. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is goes far beyond what I'm doing in the classroom and what I'm doing socially. I feel Mm -hmm. like it all plays into that, Mm -hmm. but the ability to be confident and and be ready to take that next step is something that's a big goal for me. I know those aren't like steadfast, hard goals, but I've also found that setting goals that are steadfast and hard for big things like that tend to either lead to, Oh, I could have done more Mm -hmm. or, well, that sucks. I didn't get there. So just having that idea and Mm kind of like, okay, that's where I want, like, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then committing to that and doing that Mm -hmm. and putting everything I can into that Mm -hmm. is how I'm going to define success over the next, for the rest of the year. Gotcha. I like it. Well, Rob, uh, thank you so much again for joining me today. Really, really appreciate it. I've been meaning to have you on, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. I enjoyed it. Man. It was <laughs> really awesome. glad for having like this time with you. I haven't seen you much just because I mean we're both busy, like not many classes on campus. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I'm glad we were able to set some time today. No, no doubt. I enjoyed it. Felt like I talked forever. So I don't mind that. That's, <laughs> no. that's the point of yeah. this. This is about you. But uh, no, I enjoyed it. We need to do it again sometime. Yeah, I definitely, once I get my other microphones, I think I'm doing some group podcasts. So. Dude. Could be fun. Oh, yeah, man. That'd be <laughs> awesome. So Yeah. Well, uh, to everybody else, I, um, I that is all for today. I will see you guys on our next one.